said this when we were in New York, but I'm not going to repeat it. I'm comfortable in believing that the world would be a quantifiably better place if Facebook did not exist. I agree. Um, and maybe all of social media, mm-hmm. but definitely Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I will push back against social media. I think one of the big things I'm about, don't you? I mean, I, listen, I could be wrong, but don't you think that's kind of this is one of those I usually hate the saying, but this is one of the thing where it's like it's not the you know, social media is just a tool. You know, it's about who's utilizing it. That is yeah, the problem. Guns are a tool. No, I know. I know. It, which is why I don't even believe in that saying. But for this, I will agree that like most of it is toxic in terms of what social media brings upon our lives. Oh, and that's a good time for what I want to talk about later. Okay. Um, but, but I mean, I haven't, I guess, given up the idea that it can also be a forum for an honest ex- exchange of ideas. Mm, yeah, I don't think so. In any way, shape, or form. No. Just because... I think by its nature, because it doesn't have the immediacy of an actual exchange, you're, you're, the default is to just go find something that supports your opinion and just post that. And my example of that is, is every single... Uh, I think that is what my brother is looking for when he engages me on Facebook. But what he doesn't seem to understand is that it does not matter if when we're talking about something on Facebook, it, it means literally nothing what I know and don't know because anything I don't know, I can find out in five seconds on Google. Yeah. And all of his arguments, every single one of his, every time he approaches our conversation, it is, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think this means? And it's like, this, that stuff is meaningless because A, I do know what it means. You just have this sort of, uh, arrested picture in your head of a 16 year old or whatever, because we haven't really developed any sort of relationship. Right. <clears throat> but it doesn't matter because I can just go to Google and look it up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's meaningless. You, there is no gotcha moment on Facebook mm-hmm. because unless you're just lazy and unwilling to look something up, you can just look it up. And even if it's not true, you can find a million different things that will say it is true. You know what I mean? Like I had the perfect moment of that today and in this other thread where I'm just like asking like, okay, give me, give me proof of this. And it's just like, you can find whatever you want on the internet. Mm-hmm. It does not matter. But I mean, again, what are we, I, I feel like your critique is getting jumbled with the internet and social media. I just don't think you could, that's what I'm saying. I don't think you can have that exchange because I think that exchange requires uh, n- not being so defensive, not being able to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Support your argument with a million different sources at the f- tip of your fingertips. Right. Right. Because some of that is just required is a sit down conversation where you can't just, Oh, you said something or I'm saying something. Let me quickly turn to my phone and look something up in the middle of this conversation. It's not a real conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not a real exchanging of ideas. I feel like, well, I, I think what's missing is 
the shame that you can feel in a one-on-one personal conversation where yeah i think that's part of it too that, absolutely yeah where that gotcha moment like i've had that where i've said something that i did not understand or was able to back up right and somebody just has the you know guts to be like that's not right and say what's right and i i can't hide the fact exactly i don't know what i'm exactly and my and, and my point is that and that person could even be wrong in that you know what i mean mm-hmm. but because but but that can still lead to a change because you are then in a vulnerable place. Nobody is vulnerable on Facebook. Well, see, I think that for for me, I I think that the well has been poisoned by how people have utilized this medium. I feel like that's the big thing that we're fighting at this stage is that everybody has <clears throat> utilized it to just like get people on their bad bandwagon or to get people to feel good about like hey this is you know i don't agree with this and then other people just share 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 like and then that invites somebody to reactionarily like jump in and be like uh hey here's the other i saw this on somebody's feed uh today somebody said hey i don't want to get into this discussion but you all have it wrong and then just dropped a like mm-hmm. from you know american Patriot Eagle, uh, right. blogspot.com. And uh, it's, you know, and, and then he's like gone. And uh, all of that represents negative, toxic, or at best neutral use of social media. If you are doing it to not push a conversation forward or to start a conversation, then I, I don't think that, then I think the floor and the ceiling have been set. You know, at level zero, you're not going anywhere with it. I mean, sure. But but I will say that there have been moments of true kind of engagement and response reaction. I think that's what people fail to do. It's like if somebody posts an article, I'm going to read the article. Right. And then I'm, I'm going to further the conversation if I feel there's an opportunity with either another article that sheds more light on something, or I'm going to then show something, bring something to the table, say, oh, hey, and did you see how this is impacting XYZ? Or here's also a historical marker for that thing. And so social media can create that record of proof of conversation, of discussion, that I think can be helpful in a way that a one-on-one conversation does not leave a record of it. You know, and for that record to be discovered or to be read through or to be engaged with at a future point, I think does prove value or I've had that value or even things where I've started a conversation that then didn't pay off for months when somebody encountered it or, you know, something happened to bring it back into relevance. There's a record of that that I I think can be helpful. Um, the latest Chapo, they were talking about, they're answering Q and A's. Did you listen to that one? Yeah, I just finished yeah, it. It's really good. And, uh, one of the listeners was, um, asking them what movie would best yeah. represent. And I thought like at the very end, uh, Virgil jumped in and he was like, you know, it's kind of like eternal sunshine where we are just kind of the record 
for memory while people just try to forget. And, um, and I thought that, that there's something to that, you know, there's something to whether it's podcasts or social media to be that testament to, you know, these issues or these discussions or these debates that don't happen yeah on a personal level i guess i just don't see the importance of that to be honest with you (laughs) just don't i don't imagine anyone going back and looking at my facebook feed in even five years or going back and listening to this podcast in five years ten years well i I think that, that i think that's the problem of us looking and thinking that we are the point or we're the center of this thing it's like we're not we are mere kind of you know we're not even pawns we're we're, you know specks on the board right and i want to use my social media as a way that i feel like engages me or brings me joy or brings me some aspect of release but i'm not the only one using social media Mm -hmm. and there are other social media people i follow that i find great value from yeah you know Twitter accounts, like I still will probably get most of my news and link to most of my content from people who I trust, what they tweet and what they post. Yeah. And so that there's value there. If, if I can't find value, that might be a testimony to me rather than the medium. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I think that's a good point, but that Twitter is also not and is notoriously bad for having a conversation or exchanging of ideas. Like Twitter is great, like you said, to follow the people that you trust to have either an insightful opinion or quick commentary, right? Quick commentary or to provide like good, reliable news coverage. I think Twitter is great for that to be honest. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. And that's kind of, I guess not really. I mean, the news coverage thing is kind of what I use Reddit for, not the insight so much. But I think that is, that's true. But that's not, but, uh, you know, again, Twitter is like really, really bad at having mm-hmm. any sort of thoughtful exchange or well, conversation. And all of these formats, especially as they were uh, created and then unleashed on our culture, have all proven to be bad. <laughs> bad from the outset. I mean, I kind of, I put a post out yesterday where I said, I don't have the conviction to ever fall truly into despair. Yeah. And I think that that also goes to like, I lack the conviction to just cancel out Facebook and Twitter, mm-hmm. um, which I think even as I can defend different usages of them. I do think that on the whole, they're a negative influence. Yeah. I kind of feel like in this society that we have, it's what we're working with. And so we might as well, uh, because we don't really have anything better. And I have tried to utilize it in a way that, again, brings me value. I actually just went through and unfollowed a bunch of people today. On Twitter? On Facebook. On Facebook. Yeah. Uh, no, everyone, I, fo- I don't ever do an arbitrary follow on Twitter. Yeah. Because you're right. That's not a good place to have a conversation. I literally want my stream to be all things that I'm interested in. Uh, but on Facebook, I realized like, yeah, I don't want to read all these people's thoughts and stuff. Um, 
but I do want to have an outlet for some of my feelings, my ideas, and also to kind of release some steam. So, you know, I utilize the broken tool for my own purposes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, I guess that's kind of the point. I just don't think it's, I don't know. I guess the thing that really caught me off guard coming back to Facebook Mm -hmm. was the baby boomers. Oh, (laughs) like that's been, that was the biggest change since I stopped you, since I left was now all of a sudden all of these baby boomers are on Facebook and they have just lost their minds. Like maybe, maybe not. Maybe they haven't lost their minds. This is just the, this is just like an honest outlet and this is how crazy they've always been. But it's like, boy, oh boy, it is crazy on Facebook. But I feel like, again, I feel like the, the first question again, I had to face was, do I have the conviction to be like, no Facebook, they've, you know, openly been dealing in underhanded methods of collecting my data, of covering up their own kind of um, culpability in allowing kind of uh, public opinion to be swayed by propaganda, you know, and have actively worked against it, even as they claim to, you know, be working for our collective good. Mm -hmm. And then I say, well, I don't in the same way that I don't have the conviction to become a vegan, even if I can affirm all of like the ecological you know, arguments for being a vegan. Right. Um, and then I say, okay, within the system, do I feel like I can utilize it to some value for me? Um, and in the answer, Facebook, it's yes. And I think it still is because I can shape that experience to be what I want it to be. Um, but I'm totally fine. You know, obviously I'm fine with whatever you, you know, you're going through, but you know, if, if it's like you can't, then, you know, I think the third, op, you know, the third question is just like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, it needs to go. Yeah. But I, I want to say, having said all that, it is, is been really nice having you on there. I, <laughs> I miss, I, I miss some of your side conversations that get really heated. Cause I don't know, I don't know how to use Facebook. Sometimes people will comment on a comment thread that I've started somewhere else. Right. I'm like, how did you see this? Yeah. I don't know how to see what people are posting outside of just what they post, you know? Um, so I miss some of that stuff. Uh, but um, kind of just, just, I don't know, just releasing some steam yeah. on like one of your threads or alongside of you. It, it feels good. It feels like uh, old times. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the notifications are a bit of a mess. And I am I'm I I've gotten to a place too where I'm trying to like keep this somewhat arbitrary balance. So I ended up like following a bunch of like pages that people made. Mm-hmm. And so now my timeline is just a mess yes. of these <laughs> random pages and I'm not getting to see as much what people are posting, so I'm going to have to figure that out as well. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I think the I think really what it comes down to is that like I was saying with like with with my brother who's a baby boomer maybe right outside of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, he's not a baby boomer. He's like 50 something, right? All the generational stuff they all yeah. slides together. But they don't know, they just don't understand how the internet works. Like mm-hmm. fundamentally, they don't get it. And so they're they see stuff and it's just like that's true there it is because they're seeing it because they're looking at it so it's true you know and i'm seeing like people the same person post something back to back and it's like literally contradictory to each other but it's like you know if you engaged they would engage both of those posts like straightforward like you know what i mean mm-hmm. it just is it's just crazy yeah yeah i agree and i feel like it also I saw one, I saw a post I love where it's this kind of like, um, it declaws our interactions too, in a weird way. Like I saw somebody on my feed post something where they were like, it was like a cute gif and it was like, I try to be nice to people, but my mouth just won't cooperate or whatever. Uh And that person is putting forward a really kind of like negative and and kind of shocking idea right i am a i am a mean person i am a nasty person right yeah yeah. um and i mean to everybody but they're they're also doing it in like the cute gif where it's all like fun and games i want to be like that that perfectly encapsulates also what i find most toxic on this website is this like kid gloving everything and instead of like it it just you can kind of cushion yourself from the blows yeah. of of society or any real ideas or thoughts it's like i am so nasty mm. i uh you know i woke up today and or i hit snooze three times yeah. today i am just not ready for today or whatever yeah it's like what a banal empty kind of like why even offer that to the universe? Yeah, there, there, it, there's a meme for everything on <laughs> Facebook. It, it is the, Facebook has become the memification of your life. Right. Every single thing you do in your life is a meme on Facebook. Yeah. And Which I, there's like a relatability to that, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, yeah, it's just is like too much. And, and all like kid glove meaning, me, mean, memes, you know, where I just want to be like, you know, it, it's hard to not want to troll and just be like, Say something truly mean in that comment post. Yeah. And be like, what? Did you call somebody? You know, and, and just like put the worst thing I could think of to say. Did you say this to someone today? And have people be like, what is wrong with you? And it's like, yeah. well, no, look what they're saying that they're mean. So I'm wondering what their mouth said. You know, did their mouth say right. like the N word? Yeah. Is that what is that what came out? It's like, no. So like this is such a it's a negative like con- idea to to introduce to the world as less than any value because it means nothing you are not a mean person yeah this meme is stupid this idea is or you are a mean person and like it's not something to be celebrated yeah yeah or or that right yeah
I did want to say you, you mentioned something about oh, I forget, but it made me think about this. I um, so I saw a license plate the other day. It said N J Baby. Okay. So how would you read that initially? New Jersey Baby. Okay, and so you would read it just like that. Yeah. New Jersey Baby. Right. So that's how I read it, and the person's driving from me, and then I was like. Wait, I, why would anybody want to call themselves a baby? No, it was like New Jersey, baby. Exactly. Yeah. And then it clicked. I was like, oh, it's New Jersey, baby. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, what other state? Like, what if somebody <laughs> had like. Wisconsin baby or like Virginia baby. Uh-huh. Like what would the second word be for like Virginia? You know, know. but it's like, it doesn't inspire baby. I guess. Yeah. I guess any other state you would, the baby you would, I would assume is a literal baby. A baby. Like I was born in Virginia. Right. I'm a Florida baby. Yeah. Uh, exactly. But New Jersey, it's gotta be. <laughs> New Jersey. Right. There's like Baby. a machismo. It's There's a machismo to built it. in. Yeah. And so today I was driving home from work and I saw another license plate that said NJ Vibe. Wow. Exactly. Out in full force. Right. And so I was like, what is it about New Jersey that does have that like vibe or make people want to like, this has to go on a license plate? And why does it translate to a license plate? Why can I look at anything, any New Jersey kind of vanity plate and immediately understand what they're talking about right (laughs) yeah i don't know maybe it's just because of the whole jersey shore phenomenon right yeah i mean i yeah it's like again i never watched i mean that show but yeah somehow new jersey it just exudes but even then it was like a thing right like sopranos is new jersey Uh uh-huh so it's like a thing yeah new jersey baby like the um practice the impractical jokers mm. they're like that um so yeah i wanted to jump if we could uh into the two items i want to bring to the table today um the ballad of buster scruggs on netflix the new coen brothers film uh-huh uh did you get to watch the whole thing no I mean, look, you dropped it on me yesterday afternoon. It's not like, I mean, when am I supposed to watch the whole thing? I'm, I'm at work when you, when you say, hey, let's talk about this. I've only watched the first 10 minutes. I come home. Well, I make dinner. I walk the dog. I go to bed. And I go to work the next day. Yeah, and then you lay in bed and you just, you know, play it right there. Go to sleep. Phone. No, play it right there on your phone. No. How, so have you watched any more than the first segment? No, I haven't watched anything other than what we watched at the Kennens. All right. Well, then maybe we'll just table. <laughs> that ruins everything. You, you could. <laughs> well, you, you can talk have... about it. Look, look, considering we're now talking about it, there's a good chance that I'm going to have zero motivation to watch the rest of it. Uh well I I can't I okay I, all right listen, I'll, I'll then then I'll watch it this week I promise I put some uh, I'll watch it before we record again I linked to some reviews I know I didn't I look I I didn't have time to look at that stuff uh have have some thoughts and ideas about the Cone Brothers 
that I'm really interested to talk to you about. Okay, I'll go through it this before we record again. Um, well, that it kind of. So I guess. <laughs> so I guess we'll 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 do this backwards because I wanted this to lead into, um, uh, a quick discussion about, uh, Greta Van Fleet, and yeah. specifically the Pitchfork review of their album. Yeah. And I kind of wanted that to bleed into. Uh, the comfort of basic bands, um, which I do not view Greta Van Fleet as a basic band. They are actively a, they're, they're a gross, yeah. And the only way that I can salvage this is kind of they are to me. Um, so I, I pulled out like a like a poll quote from the Pitchfork review, and they said. They're more of an algorithmic fever dream than an actual rock band. And I said, uh, Greta Van Fleet represents the naked ambition of the social media star with the stunning lack of talent and a God level amount of self-confidence They're Okay. And then I make a reference to the Coen brothers film, which you have not seen, <laughs> but, uh-huh. but, when when you're talking about right like the the scourge of that facebook is on this generation yeah or this just to say cuz it's it's not just generation right it's us as humans um i do again see this like this elevation of for lack of a better term of the normie middle you know where everybody just wants to be seen as normal or as part of a of a this assumed collective that this is the way it is to look human so I'm going to have my facebook I'm going to post pictures of my family and mm-hmm. I'm going to you know post memes I'm going to complain about Mondays and I'm going to talk about how much coffee I drink and what a problem it is right um, that, that it's just, it just elevates the banality of humankind and we just are obsessively drawn to it, you know, and Greta Van Fleet is basically people who are working within the normie, you know, culture to try and like subvert it, but while the whole time being a, f- a part of it. You know, yeah, and having no self-awareness of a context outside of just their conception of the world, mm-hmm. you know, they've built it out and then now they are living it to its fullest and they think that they are like making a, I, I read a quote from one of them and they just kept referring to like rock and roll as this like as this like force you know and that they're a part of this like they're part of rock and roll it's like no you're a band you know you're not you're not part of a larger tradition um you are one small representation of what good music sounds like and your interpretation is (laughs) it's bad is bad (laughs) and it's so niche that it's it's ridiculous it's it's act it's actively ridiculous you know 
Yeah, I mean, I don't see Greta Van Fleet as anything other than a boy band, but for Led Zeppelin fans. You know what I mean? Like, it's complete, it's obviously completely manufactured. It's made to look exactly like this thing, I guess, that everybody loves. But there's, it's like an uncanny valley, right? It's like there's something that's just is a little off and it throws the whole thing out of whack. See, I will agree to a point with that. But for me, what's different is I think that there is some calculation on, well, not calculation. I think that they, actually believe it sure you know i think that there is like you look at some boy bands and where it falls apart is i think you see some people who are angling for the boy band thing to get them to a certain point and then launch them out of it or like beyonce or justin timberlake right where there's some awareness of like beyonce knows like hey destiny's child can take me here but where i'm going is like here and so that is the initial boost and then i am now i'm going further right um but i don't see like i see greta van fleet i don't see anybody angling you know (laughs) they're all just like guys we're we're we've done it we're here we're doing it let's keep this going you know and uh, they have no conception of again of their own kind of existence within music or the culture, I feel like, but, but, but they, but they believe wholeheartedly in what they're, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Do, do you not agree with that belief? You, you got me. I don't know. Did you watch the Fallon? You were like, watch one of their performances. And I watched the, probably most of the Fallon performance. Probably. I, I don't know. And yeah, man, I just saw three kids up there just like, just yeah but you know what i'm what's interesting to me is that is i feel like there are two fairly prominent bands doing the same thing and one of them does that very very poorly in greta van fleet and the other does it very very well in the lemon twigs Mm mm-hmm I can watch a Greta Van Fleet performance and listen to a Greta Van Fleet song and say, I mean, it's pretty easy with Greta Van Fleet because they just want to be Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. But you see it clear as day Mm -hmm. right on their sleeve. This is exactly what they're doing. The singer has got the same hand motion he does (laughs) every five seconds. Yeah. He just puts his hand up like this. That's literally what he does. And I said, it's like a robot. It's like a robot right. that has been gotten stuck in a loop. He just does this the entire time. Like for a 50-minute performance, his only move is to just raise mm-hmm. his hand up. And then you have the Lemon Twigs, who, in my opinion, now their last album. The concept album? Yeah, didn't do it for me. Uh-huh. But the first album is great. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can watch any of their performances, you can listen to any of their songs, and if you're even slightly familiar with the artists that are influencing them, you can point them out in a a split second. It's just like so... So I think part of that is youth, just because they're young, and so they haven't really 
had time to develop their own sort of uh, styles and they're very obviously just sort of like kind of play acting to be a little, you know, condescending about it, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I I just think part of that is because of their age. I mean, obviously the people, the kids in Greta Van Fleet are very talented, like technically speaking. But for whatever reason, and, you know, I haven't given them the attention, really, that I give bands like 30 Seconds to Mars, <laughs> so I can't really pin it down. But for some reason, it's just is really, really bad when they do it, and it's really, really good when the Lemon Twigs do it, even though they're, broadly speaking, doing the same thing. Well, I mean... You know, people have even referenced like Foxygen in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I I feel like you know, and and the the review references the darkness, and I feel like again it comes down to self awareness and just understanding where you fall in a larger tapestry. I think it's it's hard for us to do that naturally, which goes back. It's like my social media comparison, you know, um, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, you know, okay, let, let's say, you know, I agree with everything you're saying politically. What do we do about it? And I was like, you know, honestly, uh, I feel like the first thing that we need to do is just become okay with our ignorance. Uh, we, we have to encourage our curiosity. And we have to get over this feeling of self-doubt and maybe even a little bit of self-hatred uh, of expressing ourselves, you know, um, because there is a moment when you do kind of start to have a concept of yourself as not being the center of the universe that you start being like, why should I say anything? You know, why should I post this thought? Why should I have a podcast? Why should I like express any idea out there? Because it's all so ridiculous. I don't know what's going on. And it's it's preposterous to think that I would have anything of value to say, you know? Yeah. And and I just feel like you have to push through that and then get to a point where you go, you know what? I understand myself in a larger tapestry. I have the requisite amount, or at least I'm working on having the requisite amount of humility, but I'm, I'm still going to say this thing that I think or that I believe. And for sure. me, it's like Greta Van Fleet or bands like that, if we, if we switch that whole thing over to musical terms, you know, they've, they've stalled out. They've become you know, arrested in their development. And they are stuck in this loop of, you know, we know this thing. We don't have an idea of what we don't know or of the ridiculousness of feeling like you have anything to say in the world. It's like, no, we have a talent. We have a sound. People need to hear it. And it's important. And it's rock and roll and rock and roll, rock and roll. And, but and it comes down every, every yeah. like, you know, interview that I read. It's just like they keep referencing rock and roll. And it's right. like, you guys aren't rock and roll. Like that, that's a concept that doesn't even exist. Like, 
you're a band, you know? Yeah, I mean, but that's why I made the comparison to boy bands. Because it's just, because Greta Van Fleet is just a machine. That's all it is. It just is a business. But, but who is profiting off of them? They're, them, their managers, their record label. See, I feel like they, but if you, okay, so I mean, this is speculative. But do you feel like if you got Greta Van Fleet, just the, just the musicians alone in a room, you're like, hey, guys. Are, is your sound worth the money that you've made off of it and that you're making? Yes. They would say yes. Absolutely. I would more. say yes if I was making the money they're making, making that music. Knowing what I know right now, I would say yes. Wait, wait, you would say yes what? <laughs> that my music is worth the money that I'm making. But, but, you, but, but what I'm saying is, is they, if they were truly like a boy band, they would at some point recognize and be like, no, this is, this is like, we're, we're playing a part and it's finding an audience. Uh, but, you know, hey, if techno comes back big, guess where our second album's going to be? It's going to be techno. Sure. I feel like Greta Van Fleet will sound like Led Zeppelin until they're 80 years old and then, you know, die on stage. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they don't seem a boy band. It seems like if you got them alone, they'd all be like, oh, yeah, dude. No, we're we're totally a prepackaged item. I'm just totally doing this for the exposure and the money. And yeah. I'm going to go back to school after this. Or Justin Timberlake is going to be like, yeah, man, I'm just angling for my way out. I'm going to go solo as soon as, you know, one of our albums doesn't do so hot. I mean, I guess... Because of the nature of the band, there's an element of like evolution that they can have to where like if I think if they release 10 more albums that sound exactly like their first album, which is just a poor carbon copy of some generic like Led Zeppelin B-sides, then yeah, their fans are going to they're going to lose their popularity over the years. But, you know, there's also. uh I think room in that genre or whatever to grow your sound a little bit. No, yeah, but I think, but again, I think that you're, I, I, I think you're trying to, you're, you're making the point based on that this is a legitimate band, and what, what I'm trying to no, say. No, I don't is, think it's a legitimate band. Right, no, I no, think but, it's a business. Yeah, no, no, but but what I'm saying is like, of course, any sound can grow, right? I could release an album tomorrow. I don't play any instruments and it will sound like crap. And if I keep releasing albums for 10 years, I would expect my sound to grow in some way, shape or form. Hopefully I'd get proficient at some aspect of it and some aspect of it would sound better, right? Or different. So yes, within the range. What I'm saying though is that if they were a product and they knew they were a product, then they would admit to some level of kind of playing a part in their sound or that their sound is dictated by their success. But what, I, but what my argument is, is that the you know, guys in Greta Van Fleet think that their sound and themselves as a band are not a product, that they are, they are rock and roll writ large on this culture and they are a force and that they 
my speculation is when their album sales start dipping because it keeps sounding like Led Zeppelin, uh-huh. they will not adapt. They will not change. Any change that happens will be within the natural growth of any band, but that they will be old playing, you know, county fairs and asking each other what happened and not understanding what happened. I think that is the fundamental difference of what we're talking about. See, I don't think I agree with that. I think there's at least a level of self-awareness there that these kids know, hey, we're just ripping off this Led Zeppelin. Like you said, though, you, in, in your sing, when you watch him perform live, he does <laughs> the same robotic move with his hand. I don't think that that is like a calculated move. I think that is a guy not understanding what else to do and then just literally... They are Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights, right? They are just out there driving fast, and they have no idea what to do with their hands when they're interviewed. <laughs> they, they're just doing their thing. And the fact that they're getting rewarded for it, I think if you got them in a room alone, they would be just as confounded as you are as to why they're taking off other than, no, dude, we're rock and roll. Like, that's what we are. We're rock and roll. And it's like, well, guys, could you... No, you're not like, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay to say that you're not. And I think that you'd be better off to say like, yeah, we're doing this thing. And, uh, you know, Hey, as soon as it stops working, I'm going to try to change my voice up because it's really hurting my throat. You know? (laughs) So that is that. So that is like my social media connection take on Greta Van Fleet. Mm Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts on Greta Van Fleet? No. No, other than it was it was one of those things where I'm not sure how I came across it. But as soon as I did, it was like, I can't tell yet if this is like a joke that I'm somehow not getting mm-hmm. or it's just really, really bad. I found that Pitchfork review first and then waited, you know, what has it been, months to finally listen to them. Right. And I was not prepared for how bad they were. <laughs> they, they were, I thought that, I thought that I would maybe listen to it and be like, oh, you know, Pitchfork's being a little harsh. This is, yeah, I can take some enjoyment. But. There's, there's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing there to enjoy. Um, yeah, it's, it is very bad. Which brings me to my second uh, thought. Um, which is... Well, and I quickly want to add, I also uh-huh. did have the thought of, of like I was saying, like, like I'm, I, I'm willing to... I guess the reason why I'm not so impassioned about it is because I'm because they're so young I'm willing to just be like I'm I'm fine with giving these kids like a couple years and then if a couple years someone is like hey have you heard this Greta Van Fleet song it's actually really good I would still check it out <laughs> because it's like I, I understand what they're doing they're just they're young they're just sort of 
like I said, play acting. They're just sort of replicating this sound that they like so much. If I'm being, you know, to be to have like the, a generous interpretation. I mean, yeah. And it could change, and they could grow, and it, they could like start doing their own thing. Right. I think it's just one of those things where we both are looking at this object, and I'm seeing like a black hole of humanity represented well, and in this form and you're seeing... Yeah, I don't disagree with that take on it. I'm just saying I don't feel strongly either right. way. Like the Pitchfork review is the perfect like cynical take on Greta Van Fleet. And it was very... I loved reading it, right? It's yeah. a great review. Well, and not just cynical. I think they nailed them. I, I, I think that that's what makes that review so good is that it accurately represents the the activity of listening to and watching. So based on what you've said, Justin, I'm very... I thought this conversation would go a completely different way. Uh -huh. And now I'm wondering how the second part's going to go. Okay. Um, so there, there's something that I've been talking to you about, which is Pitchfork's continual dismissal of Dr. Dog as a band worthy of consideration... Or any score above sure. a five point like five. Yeah, and with all that being <laughs> said, let me also say that Pitchfork is garbage. Pitchfork is a bad website at this point. They have bad takes. I still check their reviews. I have no reason why. I don't know why I do, but for the most part, nine out of ten reviews are bad. Even oh, yeah. the good reviews are bad. Right. They're just like I don't know. Wh okay, <clears throat> here's a side question I had. Where, what is a kind of go-to musical source for reviews That's or it. takes? Pitchfork. Exactly. That's, that's the only place I go. I, I, check pitch, I check the reviews on Pitchfork every single day, and if something is sounds, if they're like write-up of it, sounds interesting to me, I'll check it out regardless of the score. That and I follow like Stereo Gum for like news. Mm-hmm. And occasionally they'll be like, hey, look out for this artist. And so that's, um, I'll do that. That's how I heard about um, Active Bird Community. Yeah. Even though that album turned out to be a little disappointing. Man, that, al that full album, I was like. It's got a couple of really good songs uh, on it, but overall yeah. it's not very good. Man, I, that, that disappointed me. Um, yeah, do you still watch The Needle Drop? Yeah, I've I'm subscribed. I don't watch it unless it's something I'm interested in. Interested, like yeah. actually, like I'm going to listen to this album or I have listened to this album. I don't because he doesn't like, and I understand why, but he doesn't do like any clips in his yeah. in his reviews. Like if there was uh, even like brief Usually samples of like, because yeah. and he talks in depth about some of the songs, and so if he played like a quick sample of that to demonstrate exactly what he was talking about then I'd probably watch more. Yeah. But because it's just him talking about it, unless I've already listened to the album or plan on listening to it and I just haven't been able to for whatever reason, I don't watch the video. So 
I I really like Dr. Dog. And in there, in some of the, the reviews um, on Pitchfork, their, their basic take is that it's derivative and unexciting, which I also put in here a link. I didn't know Dr. Dog has their own Etsy shop with like leather <laughs> goods. I didn't know that either. Yeah. And that don't they also have like 50 albums or something? Not 50, <laughs> but they, they have They've a got a lot. Yeah. Like derivative may not be that far off. Okay. Talk about a band that has not evolved or changed their sound. Uh, have you listened to their last few albums? I, ha- I haven't. Okay. So they have actually okay. tried some new stuff. Anyway. Um, I like Dr. Dog, even though, <laughs> even though I can say that derivative, fine. Like, I can understand the critique. I have personal issues with it. Sure. Um, but, but I can understand it. I just found another band, fun, f- funny enough, funnily enough, funny enough, um, it was based off of a Dr. Dog recommendation. <laughs> and it's so funny that I found this band based off of them. Because this other band is not great. Uh-huh. But they are really, like, just easy to listen to for me. Um, okay, I don't like where this is going. Okay, so here's here's my question, right? As you know, I have a soft spot for like folksy rock. And this band makes me feel like if my morning jacket had just kept playing it still moves era music. Mm-hmm. And even though I Oh, can, you I, mean instead of making the masterpiece of an album that is Z? Okay, here we go. I'm getting there. Boo hoo. I'm getting there. Let me make my point. <laughs> uh-huh. So Jim James is a better musician and Jim James released Z, which I would say is like one of the all time great albums. Yeah. It's really, really good. Solid. It hit me at the right time, right stage of life. You know what I mean? Um, and all the stuff they were doing around that time, even their, uh, their, live performance uh that i had that i got on dvd okonokos oh yeah great. great it's all great since then he has been so hit or miss for me yeah and again i think it's because at some level he's too good of a musician for me you know he well he might make he might make a make a song and be like Okay, standard song, how can I make this interesting? And then it's just, let me start messing with the vocals. Let me start messing with the tempo. Let me add some more layers onto stuff. And it just, to me, gets too much, right? And so this other band comes along, and I just find myself listening to them again and again and again, knowing that if I were... To ever have to account for them, I would be like, yeah, not great. But man, listen to this song and just like let it wash over you. Um, it made me think, is there space for just basic music? 
just basic bands. They're not exciting. They're not challenging, but they're just nice to have on. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's funny that you mentioned Jim James because that's what this, that he released that solo album a few months ago. Yeah. And I think that's what that is for me. It's, it's, on the face of it, it's kind of like mundane. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to have something on in the background that is not going to distract me in any way, good or bad, like Jim James has a voice that I love, mm-hmm. and the album itself is just like fuzzy garage uh-huh. rock. And it just is like, it's so vanilla mm-hmm. that's like, oh, I can just put this on whenever and just have it on. But one thing I did want to talk about. You, so you listen to that album, right? Yeah. Well, okay. So what, what my argument presupposes is what if that album of Jim James's is still too much for me? Can, can I find value in a band that is more basic than Jim oh, James's see, boy, that, see, garage see that, band see, that's, level album? That's exactly, for me, that's exactly the point where it's <laughs> yeah. like, he like that album is walking the razor thin line <laughs> of like any better. And I would have to actually pay attention to this and any worse. I'd have to just turn it off. And I would say, I listen to that and I think this busy. can get worse. Too busy. <laughs> <laughs> I need something way more mellow. I need something less sure. than this. Sure. Uh, he's there's a, you're talking about anyways, he's got a song on this album called throwback yeah, and the yeah, lyrics are so bad. Did yes. the lyrics stick out to you at all? Yes. He's talking about scrolling through uh-huh. his feed and throwback Thursday. Yes. And it's just so embarrassing. So. And that was probably like the breaking point for me. Where it was like, once those lyrics started to hit my ear, I was like, Oh boy, I cannot listen to a 40 something year old Jim James sing about his Facebook feed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, yeah, that, that song really stood out. Um, but sonically the song itself is perfectly agreeable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Milk toast. So Jim James is kind of your, your basement level, uh, go to musician. Sure. That's if I'm going to put on something of, that I don't want to pay attention to, but I want to have else. something on, I would put on Jim James. Okay, I want to know any, give me some other reference point. Cause I want to know. I mean, anything other than that is just going to be like sort of ambient, like uh, either electronic or like, so what about Dr. Dog? What are your feelings on Dr. Nah, Dog? Nah. Yeah. The, 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 their vocals are a little too weaselly for me. <laughs> <laughs> they're a little too nasally right they're just a little too like twerpish <laughs> they're too oh, they're dorks they're like very obviously dorks which is whatever but it's like it's too it pulls me out it's too much like i like a couple of those dr dog albums it's not that i don't like them but if i'm going to listen to it i have to listen to it you understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. um i mean to hurt your feelings <laughs> No, you, you, you didn't. I was, I was trying. So I'm going to, I'll just tell you the band that I, that I've been listening to. 
because it also brings up another problematic aspect to this. We've talked on this podcast about certain bands that we both like um, with problematic names, but names that like are knowingly problematic, like diarrhea. The reveal on this band name is going to be like one of the greatest moments in the history of our podcast i think I <laughs> the build-up to it has been insane i almost feel like i should just we should just end the podcast <laughs> um but so the problematic name problematic name but problematic in that it's embarrassing or in that it's like right like guantanamo baywatch it's, <laughs> i forgot that <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that they even exist. It's like maybe you don't understand what you're tri- trivializing. Um, I no problematic in the way that I'm I'm embarrassed. Okay, I like it. Um, they're called the Moon Doggies. Mm. That's not. Yeah, that's embarrassing. Say it out loud. No, thank you. Say it out loud. <laughs> Try it. I want to hear. Try getting it out of your mouth. Watch. No, what I'm not going to. The, I refuse. I refuse to have doggies. that recorded. Um, but they have a song called "Stop Signs." And okay, so this is what happened. I'm at work. I'm working, and I just have like, uh, if you like playlist going on, and it's Doctor Dog. Oh, you mean through like Apple Music or right. whatever? And so Dr. Dog is kind of like, again, that's, that is kind of what I go to. I, I get it that people think it's derivative, but I also have listened to enough that it is like, I can really just work to that music. And then all of a sudden a song comes on and I immediately think, I want to play this on Guitar Hero. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was, it transported me back like 15 years. And as I'm listening, I'm like, man, that is a really good like guitar lick. And I don't know that I like the guy's voice too much. And um, I, that song kind of perked my, my ears up. Then I went back to working. And then another song came on. And I was like, oh, this is smooth. This is just really nice. And, um, and I listened to it. Then I listened to it on the way home. And I get home and I'm like, uh, you know, Elise is cooking. I'm like, hey, I found this new band. Uh, when I play them for you, you're going to think that this is the most me band ever. Mm-hmm. And um, I start playing it, and she just immediately starts laughing. The guy starts singing. I start dancing, and she just walks out of the kitchen. Like, uh-huh. Doesn't want to engage. Uh-huh. And I know, deep inside, I know this is not great. Yeah. But like, look. It's making me like uh-huh. happy, making me like dance, and it's you know what I mean I'm enjoying it. But then I feel really like crappy, dirty, about, really, yeah, not dirty because I don't, I don't <laughs> you know. But uh-huh. I just feel like a little ashamed or embarrassed or like that I'm somehow perpetuating bad music. Like there's Greta Van Fleet, right? You know, and than other kind of innocuous bad bands. You know, you, I, would, I would put Grave and Fleet at a further negative than Nickelback, right? Which everybody loves to crap on or whatever. Uh, and then you kind of build your way up. But, you know, Moondoggies. Terrible name, not great band. 
right there in the middle. I would put them towards the upper middle. And they've got some really great songs. And, you know, they are in my rotation now. Okay. So take your best shot, Justin. Here I am. Well, I haven't, I haven't listened to them, so I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that song at least. <laughs> no, but I mean, if you want to take any cheap shots, I mean, now's your chance. Because I'm going to build my walls back up by the time you listen to it. And, uh, and then you won't be able to get, get through again. Uh, Love Sleeps Deep. What's that? That's the name of their album that you've been listening to, apparently. Oh, no. Th- this is on an older one. Adios, that- I'm a ghost. Adios, <laughs> I'm a <Boy>. ghost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's I a- think a difference, too, is that you listen to so much music that like the va- like you can get into the variations where it's like I just right give me the meat and potatoes. I don't know. I, I so like this, I'd be happy listening to Dr to Dr Dog for the rest of my life. I don't need another band that lists that sounds kind of like Dr Dog. Yeah. You just, just give always me Dr. look Dog. for the best representation of that right. sound and then you just stick with that. What's funny about that is you don't really stick with them through albums. You stick with them right. for one album. For the album that I'm listening that's to. That's the album. And then I'll be like, man, that's a great album. And then I'll listen to the next time. I'm like, Justin, this band yeah. you told me about, they have a new album. Did you listen to it? You're like, nope. And I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I ha- I'm, I, I'm just, um, I don't know. Phasic. Is that a word? Phasic? I just listen in phases. And once I'm done with once I'm done, once I'm phase. out of my idols phase, I will not listen to them again, That's maybe for you know, ever. That's so weird to me. Or I'll just go back and listen to the album I'm listening to now in five years. <laughs> Instead of seeing what new they've done. Right? No. That's so weird. That's that, that that's been we've had a few fundamental disagreements and I've come around on because objective, you move on and listen to something different. I've come around on objective truth. Here's the thing. <clears throat> Whenever you and I will get into a discussion about some big issue. Uh, you know, I, I feel like. I've conceded more. To to you, I don't know that you've ever conceded. <laughs> I don't to. concede. That's my that's my whole thing. That, that's yeah. my thing. I don't concede. I've I've conceded on the fact that there's no objective truth. You have you have won that. That was a big, a big battle. Thank you. Um, and and no objective truth standard can be applied to art. All I want is for you to maybe concede. That your concept of dealing with artists in terms of phases is, I don't even know what the word is. It's, it's arbitrary. It's, it's, it's somewhat arbitrary. I, I'll admit that it's arbitrary, but I don't think there's anything deeper to it than that. I think it's, I think, it, again, it, it's all in the eye of the, of the beholder. But I feel like it does a disservice to 
the medium to the band to the artist. Oh, I mean, I agree with that. That's what I was talking about. Like with um, that's what I was talking about with Andrew WK. Like we were talking about this a while ago. To me, I get wet from start to finish is a perfect, perfect album. Mm-hmm. Andrew WK will never make a better okay. album than I get wet. So I do not ever need to listen to an Andrew WK song <laughs> that is not on. I get wet because it's not going to be better than what's on that album. Right. That's obviously like, I'm not saying that to then say Andrew WK doesn't ever, shouldn't ever make music again. I understand that that's not really fair to him, but for me, that's, that's just my kind of my default. You know what I mean? Like there may even be songs outside of that, that I like his newest album was, it was not great. (laughs) 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 Like one or two songs that I liked, but all it made me want to do was listen to, I get wet again because it's a perfect album. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? So it's like when someone's like, hey, did you hear the new Andrew WK? It's kind of like, ah, I don't really need to. What about, I mean, to me, it, it also, and I've struggled with a way to, um, to explain this. But, uh, so number one, baseline, there's a feeling of loyalty that I feel like is built and exchanged between artist and consumer. Base baseline again, maybe not the best words for it. Mm-hmm. But number one, you don't feel that. I don't feel that with millionaires. Maybe I should say. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do feel that with, and Idols isn't even a smaller band really anymore, or at all. Not at least I've only been listening for a couple months. But like they're a big band now. But like, I don't know, maybe there's a sense of like loyalty with a band like uh, the Union Line or Mount Osa, even though they broke up. You know what I mean? I know you'd go with a defunct band that you wouldn't have to actually <laughs> like do anything to support. Sure. Listen, man, with these defunct bands who don't release anything, I am loyal. But I'm just saying like, like I can I can understand that feeling for smaller bands. I wouldn't ever, I, I don't, I mean, I, I understand it, but I don't think I've ever experienced that sense of loyalty with a bigger band or a bigger, like a, like Martin Scorsese. Like I like Martin Scorsese's movies. Knowing that he's directing something is somewhat enticing <laughs> for See, me that's... to watch the movie, <laughs> but I would never feel like. You know what I mean? Oh, he needs my support. Right. But it's not even about needing support. Like, it's nothing so mathematical as that. If I ever went for a PhD, I'd want to study this specific relationship that you have with, like, art and artists. It's just very dispassionate. It's very, you know, kind of other and separate. But you do have a relationship with it. Maybe like with George Saunders. Right. I feel like a connection to George Saunders right now, at least. Mm-hmm. But obviously, like anything else, over time, that goes away. 
unless you're like, right? Constantly in it all the time. And as we've established, that's not how I consume things. I just take things sort of in waves. Yeah, and I think it goes to the second part, which is the value that we both get out of these things. Like, I think there are times when I listen to a song and I think that will go on a playlist of songs I want to hear when I'm on my deathbed. You know what I mean? Like, there, there are sounds and songs and music that I feel like Th- this is something that would bring me comfort knowing like I'm dying. Uh, yeah. And with you, I don't think anything's going to bring me comfort if I know I'm dying other than just straight up being dead because I won't be worried about dying anymore. <laughs> Did you see there's a scientific study that shows that like the brain is active even after death oh, really? for a little bit. Yeah. Like I saw the headline and it was like, um, your brain stays stays active after like assumed time of death. I bet that is absolutely terrifying. And somebody just posted on Twitter that I follow, and they were like, "No escaping it. <laughs> right. Like, there's no escaping it." And so, yeah. So it's like, no. I I mean, there are things that mean that resonate that that deeply with, um, you know, and films that i that i feel like have enriched my lives or my my, my life i don't have lives um that i i would like record of because i think that there's value in it and for martin scorsese to put out a new film i'm immediately not just interested i'm immediately going to see it you know and it's just so interesting that you've turned me on to a lot of music you've turned me on to you know some authors and stuff and then your interest will just stop or <laughs> cease and i'm like still running i'm like justin uh-huh. is this? and it's like you're way back there and you're like just like no i'm good here and uh, that relationship i i've never understood but i mean do you make that deep of a connection with with things that you've watched and listen to and stuff or is it all just more of just like a a momentary relationship to it of like i mean that is pleasant that is nice yeah i think it i think that that stuff obviously has like influenced the way i live my life over the years and like shaped my opinions um but there's nothing off the top of my mind that really sticks out to me. I will say this. Well, I'll say this. And maybe it's just because my memory's bad. But, like, after my, like, right after my dad died, I read that Dave Eggers book. Is that his name? Yeah. I mean, that is a name. Dave Eggers. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's called Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius, uh-huh. which is about his parents dying. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time that that book being a huge influence on my life and a huge influ- factor in how like, I viewed the world and dealt with this, you know, death. But 
<laughs> I never like felt the need to read any of his other books or follow him afterwards. But to this day, I'm sure he has, you know, an effect on how I approach the world, even though I couldn't like put a finger on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I'm looking at the stuff that he's been involved with, you know, since then. Well, and look to to be fair to myself, like that's uh, obviously it's like a whatever you want to call it, journal, and everything else he's done is like is fiction. Well, yeah, what I find interesting is when you see like what he's done since then, it's full of like the the stories and like films and scripts of stuff that you like, they always watch. I'm like, who is this for? Like, right. What is this? Yeah. Mill the road, like drama. Yeah. Like he did the tech movie book thing. The, the circle. circle. Yeah. And you're like, this, this feels like algorithmically constructed or to, to like perfectly hit nobody. It's like not a, <laughs> not a, like the algorithm is slightly off <laughs> and it just like kind of glances off a few different kind of interesting <laughs> right. people and just misses pretty much everybody. It seems like that's where, where he's been operating since then. And I feel like it's, it's like a classic, like you're, you're stuck in between like everything I make is going to be important. Yeah. And also like, I got to sell this thing. <laughs> yeah so let me add something to it but you end up just cutting the baby in half you know all right so there's my defense for mediocre art and artists to okay. keep creating and uh for you to put a nice little spot in your life for it okay it makes you feel good it's not actively bad like uh greta van fleet greta van fleet <laughs> I, I also told you, so we had a mini discussion the, uh, the other day over Thanksgiving mm-hmm. about the need for two AirPods. Oh, yes. And you were saying, because I lost, well, I didn't lose one. One got destroyed. Right. And you were saying, that's no big deal. And you were just dismissing it. And I was telling you that it is a nightmare. It's terrible. Right. And let me also just make a side note. When I said, okay, then give me yours. I'm glad you're bringing that up. Uh, you said no. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that up. All right. So anyway, back to, back to Can the Can I point. mount a defense for that? Uh, 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 finish my point, and then okay. you can take, take all the points and do what you want with them. Um, I'll walk out the front door, though. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm leaving after I say this. Um, <clears throat> So anyway, I've been living life with one ear AirPod. And when I was watching the Greta Van Fleet uh, video on Fallon, I had my one AirPod in. And it was act it actively destroyed my ear. Like I feel like I can't hear as clearly out of that ear. Because he was just shrieking in it <laughs> just straight in there and uh and it damaged my hearing so you know there take that for your you only need one airpod 
Well, you should have just turned it down. Was, How would have two oh, was AirPods down. have made that any it better? Would, it would have balanced out. No, that's not true. All the stress. My left ear uh, as PTSD, and my right is just living a mm-hmm. carefree lifestyle. Oh, you lost the right one. See, now that would that might be a deal breaker for me because, and this is this is my defense for not giving you my other one. First of all, let me say this. I can't even think of a single moment where I've had both of my AirPods in at the same time. I wear them one at a time, uh-uh. 100% of the time. I wear one, I wear it until it's dead, I put that back, I take the other one out, <laughs> and I wear that one until it's dead. That's why I won't give you my second one, because I may not use them simultaneously, but I use them one at a time, until the charge is gone. Something, and then put the other one in. Something tells me when we were discussing this, had I said, yeah, then I don't have anything when it loses its charge, that wouldn't have flown for you. You would have no, found some I mean, way. Well, yeah, you're like, shit out of luck on that. That's your fault. Boo hoo. No, 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 not a big deal. It is a big deal to have one AirPod. It sucks. Yeah, it does. I, I'm not saying it doesn't suck. I'm just saying, like, I'm not giving you mine. Well, no, you were saying it's no big deal. It's not a, it's not a big deal. That doesn't mean it doesn't suck. It's a minor inconvenience. It's not a minor inconvenience. Listen to Greta Van Fleet with one no, AirPod. Because in, listen, one. How long does a... one AirPod last you? Six hours. Mm. You don't need to be listening to something in one ear for six hours. Not that long. You listen to it for how long? You put it in and let it charge in the case, right. and then you Here's and then the, and then you listen to it again, and then you get home and you plug it in and you let I'm it charge. I'm probably running the down the battery worse just using that one. I'm putting too much strain on it. No, that's, I gotta that's, balance that's it not out. how it works. And, <laughs> that's and not how it works. I've got to balance the sound in my head. No, I no can't way. listen I, l- l- for hours okay. and hours. Uh, how long? I've had my AirPods for two years. AirPod. Don't listen to both. No, but then you balance out with the other side while the other one's charging. You're right here, get some. Balance is for suckers. I, if I do that, I have to flip it and I look like Rudy Giuliani with, with AirPods in. Yeah, no. With one flipped up. Yeah. Just to give my right ear a little bit and give my left ear a break. <laughs> no, you don't need, you don't need, I mean, yeah, no, I don't agree. I don't even listen to music with both of them in. I just keep one in and listen to music. <laughs> you can't do that. That's not the way it's even mixed. Yeah, no, but, no, 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 but see, oh, see, you don't know. When you only have one in, it just pods everything to mono. It mixes everything down to mono when you're only using yeah. one. It doesn't even split the music, yeah. the music up. So you're getting all of the sound into your one ear. But, but you're still not getting the effect of the music through mono. I don't mono. care about that. I'm not going to get it anyways. Listening to crappy little ear, earphones. Those things don't sound good. I'm not listening to them for like the audio fidelity. I'm using it for the convenience. And wearing one at a time is the ultimate convenience. I just hope everybody sees you for the monster you are. <laughs> well, you can just get another one. I, I will. Okay. Oh, I have a quick question before we go. This is uh-huh. how we'll close out the podcast. I'm working on this puzzle, right? <laughs> yeah, this whole time <laughs> I've noticed you working on your puzzle, yes. It keeps my mind sharp, oh, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I know for a fact I am missing one piece out of this puzzle. Ooh. It's a thousand piece puzzle. I live in a house with two. Are they even toddlers anymore? Five and mm, six year olds, yeah, school aged no. kids, right. and one extremely jealous and spiteful dog. dog. And 
I know I'm missing one piece. And this is came the from a closed box. Closed box, brand okay. new. I'm positive it has either been shoved in somebody's backpack or chewed up and eaten. Is it worth doing the rest of this puzzle knowing that there's one piece missing? Yeah, because you're going to take it down anyway. Um, my problem, um, I got into puzzles a little bit as a kid. I swear to you, there were closed box puzzles that were missing pieces. Yeah. I feel like the puzzle industry is a neglected industry. And these puzzle makers are not terribly careful with making sure every piece gets in their box. Yeah. I mean, this is a, yeah, you're, you're, you're building like a $4. No, no, no. This, that's what I was going to say. This is a top shelf puzzle. This is, this company Ravensburger is top of the line puzzle maker. So I have a hard time believing it would just be one missing piece. Here's the thing. You're making a puzzle of flowers. Uh-huh. Is this not the Dave Eggers, the circle of puzzles? Maybe. Like, like when, you know what I mean? Like, give me, I don't know. It's like flowers what are fine. Want? Like blood and guts? Me, I, I, listen, I just want something that, you know, kind of uh, maybe it's gets the, the Jim James of puzzles. It's yeah, just yeah, it's a, a nice middle calming puzzle. Some would say derivative and uninteresting. I mean, sure. Pitchfork, but what would it give that puzzle? Three I don't point, know. I mean, you know, two. I don't. I didn't want it to be like super busy because then it would be really hard. So it's like it's got nice distinction of colors. There's not like a ton of bleeding over. You know what I mean? To make it like really hard. Oh, give me a landscape. This is kind of a landscape. It's a field of flowers. It's. it's yeah, that's pulled way in on the flowers. I'm missing okay. the field for that. Yeah, the, the flowers look like trees. That is not flowers in a landscape. That is a close-up of flowers. It's a part of a landscape. I mean, technically. Yeah, give me give me the full landscape. But see, that would be boring. That's what I'm saying. That would be, just be one monotonous thing. The landscape doesn't have to be monotonous. Throw a mountain in there. <laughs> Mountains are big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a thousand-piece puzzle. You have room. All I'm saying is, you 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 were aiming for the Jim James James of puzzles, and I think you overshot, and you ended up with the uh, what's a truly boring band, the um, Lumineers. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you overshot to the Lumineers of puzzles. All right. I mean, I'm fine with that. I can put it together. I know. I like that you're doing it. You don't care. <laughs> <laughs>